Well, this morning, before we partake in the Lord's Supper, we'll be looking at Genesis chapter 29, beginning in verse 15. It's a story of Jacob that we were introduced to this figure last week. Jacob is the son of Isaac. And last week, we looked at Genesis chapter 27, where Jacob deceives his father Isaac and gets the blessing of the firstborn. And here we see this search to think that the blessing of the firstborn from your father wasn't enough. We see Jacob continuing on this search to find true love. Just a quick recap, Jacob has a grandfather. Jacob's grandfather is Abraham. It was in Genesis chapter 12, remember, that God comes down to Abraham and says, through you all the nations will be blessed. Through you, the whole world will be saved, that there would be a seed that comes from you, Abraham, that would be a messianic seed. And every generation after Abraham would bear a son who would be the promised son, who would be the bear the messianic seed, and it would be through that seed eventually that the promised one, Jesus Christ, would come to fulfill God's promise back in Genesis chapter 12. Abraham finally has a son by the name of Isaac. And Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob being the younger son and Esau being the elder son. And although the elder son is deserving of the blessing of the firstborn, Jacob deceives his father in night at night and robs Esau of the blessing of the firstborn. Esau is furious. And so it causes Jacob to run for his life. Jacob's mother, Rebecca, comes up with another plan. She always seems to have a plan. And this time, the plan is you need to escape for your life because Esau's after you. You need to go to my brother's house, Laban. And Laban will give you safety and refuge. And on the journey of running for his life, he also determines Jacob that he needs to find love because love will be the very thing that gives him the safety and security that he is so desperate for. And so although Jacob is fleeing for his life, it is also a story of Jacob searching for his one true love. He finally encounters Laban's daughters, Leah, the older daughter, and Rachel, the younger It says that Leah is weak in the eyes, but Rachel is beautiful in form and beauty. And Jacob decides that Rachel is his one true love. And he goes to Laban the father and says, I will do anything to have her. I am penniless, but I will work for seven years to have what seems to be the love of of my life. Genesis chapter 15, Genesis 29, beginning in verse 15. This is the word of God. Then Laban said to Jacob, because you're my kinsman, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. And Jacob loved Rachel. And he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. And Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. 
So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love that he had for her. And then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife that I might go into her. For my wife, my time is completed. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening he took his daughter Leah, brought her to Jacob, and he went with her, went into her. Laban gave his female servant, Zippah, to her daughter Leah, to his daughter Leah, to be her servant. And in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Did I not serve with you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Laban said, It is not so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one, and we will give you the other also in return for serving me another seven years. Jacob did also completed her week. Then Laban gave his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his female servant Bilhah to his daughter Rachel to be her servant. And so Jacob went to Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah, and served Leah for another seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son and called his name Reuben, for she said, Because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. She conceived again and bore a son, and because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he will also give me this son also. And she called him Simeon. She conceived and bore a son, and now this time my husband will be attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name is called Levi. And she conceived and bore a son. And this time I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. And then she ceased from bearing, and the grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our Lord, it stands forever. Amen. This story of Jacob and Rachel and Leah is the quintessential search for the one true love. But more than anything this morning, I want you to see yourself in the story of Jacob. I want you to resonate at some level that just as Jacob was on a quest and on a search for the one true love that would satisfy all of the hopes and dreams and desires of his heart, I pray that you would see yourself in this quest. That in a deeper sense, this story of Jacob, Rachel, and Leah shows us the search that each one of us has deep down in our soul to find that true love that would satisfy our hearts and put our souls at rest forever. The first thing that we see in Jacob's search for the one true love is we see the desperation. We see the desperate search of Jacob. We see that this is a desperate man in the midst of a desperate search. In verses 15 through 21, we see the sense of desperation that Jacob has to capture and claim the true love or the seemingly true love of his heart. And he's in the midst of this struggle, this tension in verses 16 and 17 between these two daughters, between Leah and Rachel. In verse 16 and 17, the, the narrator gives us the description of Leah and Rachel. Leah, the older daughter, it says, is weak in the eyes. 
But on the other hand, Rachel is what? Beautiful in form and appearance. Make no mistake what the narrator is trying to get at here in Genesis chapter 29. He is trying to say that when Jacob saw Rachel, he looked at her figure, he looked at her form, he looked at her face, and he was mesmerized. While on the other hand, he looked at Leah, and it says she was weak in the eyes. Now, what in the world does weak in the eyes actually mean? Commentators for years have struggled to interpret what weak in the eyes mean. Does it mean she had bad eyesight? She couldn't see long distance? No, we have to read this in context. If on the one hand, Rachel is described as beautiful in form and appearance, clearly this was a way of describing Leah as not so appealing. So one commentator said you can think of uh, even in our common uh, vernacular today, we say someone has that sparkle in their eye. They have that fire in their eye. Well, Leah didn't have any of that. That she was weak in the eyes. And it was on the basis of this that we see the desperation that based solely on the physical appearance of Rachel, we see that Jacob is desperate to have her. What does he first say? He first says in this passage, in response to seeing Rachel, he says, I'll work seven years in exchange for her. Well, in... In this day and time, in this time period, a person would give roughly 37 shekels to the family in exchange for their daughter, in exchange for the bride. But seven years was unheard of. To work seven years communicates that Jacob was out of his mind in love, willing to sell the farm. Seven years would have been unheard of to work and not receive a dime other than the hand of your daughter in marriage. But it showed the desperation that Jacob had. I'll do anything to find what I think is my true love. I'll find any, I'll do anything to have what I think will answer the desires of my heart. And then also what happens Verse 21, we continue to see his desperation because the seven years passes and it says that the seven years is like a, is like a, like a day to him, just like a few days because of his love that he has for Rachel. And what does he do in verse 21? He says, Laban, my time is up. Give her to me. Now, Jewish scholars and commentators have tried to explain this for centuries because this was unheard of in this culture to talk this way to your father-in-law. What Jacob is saying is, I've paid my dues, I'm going ready to lie with her. I've paid my dues of seven years, I'm ready to go in the tent and be with her physically. The brashness and the boldness commentators for years have not been able to explain this. This would have been totally improper for this man, Jacob, to walk into his father-in-law and say this to him. But that's the point. You see, it is the boldness and the brashness of Jacob that reveals against culture and against etiquette, it shows how desperate he is that he's even willing to walk into his father-in-law and say, my time is up, I've paid my dues, give her to me. Just like that. And that shows the desperate state in which Jacob is in this desperate search that I will break protocol and break cultural norms just to have this woman 
She is the search. She is the end of the search of the one true love for Jacob. But not only do we see the desperation in Jacob and the way he responds to Laban twice throughout the seven years, but we also see at the end of the seven years quite a devastating disappointment. You see, in verses 22 through 26, we see the aftermath of what happens. Jacob thinks that in Rachel, he has found his true love and he'll do anything to have her. But what happens? In verses 22 through 26, it describes the day of the wedding. And the bride is veiled. It was customary in that day for the bride to be veiled from the time she left her father's house to the time of the ceremony. Throughout the ceremony, even to the reception, and even to the point where she lie in her tent that night, the bride was veiled. And so you can begin to see what is beginning to happen here, that Jacob thinks that he has Rachel... And they go to the tent, and the word festival here, or feast, uh, Bruce Walkie says that more than likely this feast was a drinking fest, that more than likely they had been drinking all day, and more than likely Jacob did not have all of his faculties functioning properly. So you imagine that context with no electricity and a veiled bride all day. He lies with who he thinks is Rachel. And he wakes up and discovers what? It says, behold, it's Leah. And he is absolutely furious. And what does he do? In fury, he walks into Laban and he says, how could you do this to me? How could you deceive me? And it's in verse 26 that I believe Jacob is cut to the heart because Laban says to Jacob, it is not proper in this country for the younger to be given before the older. And it's in that moment that Jacob realizes what I did to my father Esau or Isaac The way I deceived my father Isaac is the same way that Laban has deceived me. You see, it's in that moment that I believe Jacob is cut to the core, cut to the heart. In that moment, the deceiver is deceived and he gets a taste of his own medicine. And it leaves Jacob in that moment in Genesis chapter 29 in a state of utter devastation. The deceiver has been deceived. I worked seven years for that one woman who I thought would answer the desires of my heart only to be deceived by my father-in-law. But oh, let's not forget Leah. Can you imagine Growing up in the shadow of her younger sister, hearing that she was the most beautiful thing that anyone has ever laid their eyes on. Leah, who had more than likely been rejected her whole life, now rejected by the man she thought she could win over. And we see this very sobering scene here in Genesis 29 of a devastated Leah and a devastated Jacob. But listen, this is you and me. 
You see, the same problems that are facing Jacob and Leah here in this scene are the same fundamental problems you and I face every day. You see, every day you and I buy the lie that there is something in this world that will deliver the hope and the love and the meaning and the significance that you and I crave. And we buy that lie every day, all to end up in utter devastation and disappointment. For Jacob, here was the lie he bought. The marrying the trophy wife and laying down with her will give me the answers that I have always hoped for. It will answer the desires of my heart. For Leah, it was to be loved. And, and maybe through winning over Jacob, that I will finally be embraced and accepted and loved and both of them looking for love in all the wrong places finally discover that this world doesn't deliver and this world is full of broken dreams. Look even the way that Leah responds to her devastation. Look at verses 32, 33, and 34. What does Leah do? She goes, okay, if Jacob's going to abandon me, if Jacob's going to reject me, maybe I'll still win him over through childbearing. And look at every child she gives birth to. My husband hates me. I'll name him after that. My husband won't look at me. Maybe I'll name the child after that. Every time she gives birth to a child, 32, 33, and 34, it's all an attempt to validate her life and to fill her life with the emptiness that has been shattering her her entire life. And she does it over and over and over again, hoping to find that one true love. But here's the reality. The same reality that Jacob and Leah faced in Genesis chapter 29 is the same reality that you and I face this morning. That your hearts are empty and your entire lives have been designed and crafted to find that love, to find that one thing that will make your life worth living. But all to come to the realization and the conclusion that it could never be found in this life or in this world. And so it begs the question, can the search for our one true love ever truly be satisfied and met? And here's the answer. There is only one hope. And the only hope for Jacob and Leah is the only hope for you and me this morning. And it's found in verse 35, the last verse that we read. It says she stops having children. And she names her last and final child, Judah. Where's the hope in that? You see, it's in the reality that Leah has that this final child, Judah, would do something that no man or no promise or nobody on in this world or in my life could ever do. Because it would be Judah who would be the promised seed. It would be Judah who would be the messianic seed. It would be Judah through Judah centuries later that we would see the birth and the arrival of Jesus Christ. You see, it's in Judah that our hope is found. It is in Judah 
that the search for the one true love is over because it's in Judah that Leah is finally able to find rest and you and I are able to find rest this morning. It, Judah pointed to the day centuries later where through the line of Judah, Jesus would come and in John's gospel, in John chapter 4, the one who would come through the line of Jacob and Judah would be Jesus Christ. And Jesus would meet a woman, the Samaritan woman. And in John chapter 4, he meets the Samaritan woman who has gone after man, after man, after man, only to be devastated and disappointed. You see, the Samaritan woman was the type of Leah in a way unwanted and rejected, ostracized by culture, the unwanted adulterous woman. And where does Jesus meet the Samaritan woman? We're told in John 4 at Jacob's well. You see, centuries later, one greater than Jacob would come and his name would be Jesus Christ. And when he encounters one like Leah, he doesn't reject her like Jacob. But instead, Jesus takes this one like Leah, the Samaritan woman, with all of her past and all of her baggage and transforms her by his love and by his grace into a Rachel. You see, it would be Jesus Christ who would come centuries later through the line of Judah that would not reject the Samaritan woman, but love her into being and love her and transform her into a beautiful child of God. Jacob rejects Leah and chooses Rachel, but Jesus embraces one like Leah and transforms her into his beautiful bride. Brothers and sisters, in Jesus and Jesus alone, your search and my search for the one true love is over. He is the true bridegroom that we seek the one who offers you this morning infinite love in its perfection. And you know when you will begin to get this? When you and I begin to live every day in light of this glorious truth that you and I see in real tangible ways, you ceasing from trying to find that lover in something in this world, trying to find that love in something that this world could never offer, and you cease from that searching, and you surrender your life to Jesus. And you begin to see the implications of this good news realized in your life. Listen to me. You could win the lottery. You could be married to the perfect spouse. You could be the most popular kid in high school. And until you surrender your life to this love, the person of Jesus Christ, you will always be wanting more. You know what happens to lonely, miserable single people? They become lonely, miserable married people because the answer for loneliness and misery is not found in this world, but it's found in the perfect bridegroom, Jesus Christ. A father and son were talking about heaven and the son was asking his dad, dad, what's heaven really like? Will, will we have all the ice cream we could have ever desired and hoped for? 
Dad, will, will we have all the, all the toys we could ever imagine and hope for? And the dad appropriately answers, Son, in heaven, you will have whatever your heart desires. Because the only thing your heart ultimately desires is a Jesus who loves like this. And if you are here this morning and you have not encountered this love, a love that will never let you go, a love that tells us this, that the bride nailed the bridegroom to the cross and the bridegroom never stopped loving. Until you encounter that love, your life will never be any different. But when you encounter that love and allow your life to be forever changed and transformed, your life will never be the same again. Thank God for the beautiful story of Leah, the story that tells us that God loves Leah's so that Leah's can forever sing amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me.